I'm bringing on Teddy. Teddy, how you doing? Hey, nice to meet you. How you doing? Nice to meet you too. So we're going to be talking today about the Moonies. Um, sorry, did I say Teddy? I meant Terry. Terry Hose. Oh, no, it's, it's Teddy. It I, is it, Teddy. So I, I had it as Terry. Yeah, it, uh, I think that was a spelling error. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Teddy, oh, like Theodore. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry about that, no um, but uh, you know, I'm just reading reading s stuff out. But uh, I promised my friend Elgin Strait that that I would be nice to you instead of because usually I'm horrible to people who. who uh, <laughs> He's my friend too, actually. I, I did the logo for his uh, podcast, so um, oh, we worked oh, together. Nice. That's yeah. a great logo. That's that's oh, great. I like that. I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're obviously good at it. So tell me a little bit, Teddy. Tell me firstly. Let's start with just for anyone who doesn't know. What is the Unification Church? What is the Moonies? Why is it called both of those things? Okay, so the Unification Church was founded by Sun Myung Moon. He was born in what is now North Korea in 1920. And in his teen years, he said he had a revelation of being the second coming, or that he was called to be the second coming of Jesus. And, um, you know, at the time, he he also had other weird fringe beliefs. He believed he had sexual powers. This is all very like common cult leader stuff. If you've ever looked into it, lots of them claim to be Jesus and have sexual powers and whatnot. Um, his movement grew in Korea. You know, he got more powerful people involved and like, you know, uh, like a, a prominent family of uh, who owned an insurance company and politics and. Um, you know, allegedly he was sent to America as a political tool by some fringe characters in uh, the Korean government at the time. So that's the theory. And I tend to believe it because he's very involved in politics in America, which we'll talk about later, I guess. But um, as far as like a religion, like um, it's it's just kind of one of those new religions, very international. Uh, and he started businesses from there, like True World Foods, the largest supplier of fish to sushi in America, the Washington Times, which was like Fox News before Fox News from 1982. Uh, yeah, I go on forever, but I know I only got 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would just just say, because um, it's Sean's channel and on Sean's channel, we get we, we can't say that T word too much, hum, human T, we, we say transporting. I, that's It's not your fault, it's completely ridiculous, but it's what we have to do to put up with the whole YouTube thing. But just for the, you know, um, but, but thank you. Yeah, thank you for that very interesting look at what they and how he started do we know much about i always wondered this with the cult leaders do we know much about like his family or anything because i'm just trying to think about the moment when he started saying well i've had these thoughts and things and are the family just going like brilliant you know is everyone just going along with it yeah i think you know some of his family uh have like you know stepped away uh one of them i um i believe she was on a reality show her name she goes by cat moon and wow. she, I believe, is either gay or bi. And, um, you know, it's a very anti-gay movement. Um, he said horrible things and like that, you know, gay people shouldn't exist. And uh, she stepped away. I think she became a filmmaker. Um, but the show she was on was like Survival of the Richest. And uh, I haven't watched it. But um, yeah, and I think, you know, it's just it's such a huge empire and it brings in, you know, these these kids who were raised in it. Uh, the, the moon children, they've been bowed to since they were babies by full-grown adults who give them anything at any point. And that's hard to walk away from. So I think maybe they might have some moral like uh, issues with it. But ultimately, I think it's just really hard to walk away from that kind of lifestyle. 
So he, I mean, do you know how he got so big? How did it get, I mean, how does it get so big and then also spread to Europe? I think, yeah, I think he just, um, like, as I mentioned before, like, I think he, he, he just, he was like a charismatic narcissist, you know, just one by one, he was getting people involved. Um, again, with the sex cult stuff, he was sleeping with a lot of women and claiming to cleanse them through that very much like Keith Rainieri, if you watch The Vow, oh, which yes. is actually something I just finished last night, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, it just snowballs. And he yeah, so he was able to bring in this, uh, the Che family, um, who owned this large insurance company. And I think that's when it went from a church to like mega church, you know, kind of like how the Westboro Baptist Church, when they won that trial, and I think, what was it, 5 million or something, they, they won millions of dollars. They went from like church to mega church, right? And it just gets to their head and they have resources and then they can just spread their influence, you know? So that's how I imagine, but uh, it's kind of a mystery because his whole life's kind of a mystery. You, you don't know what to believe, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what did you believe? What was it like growing up uh, as part, I suppose you were, you were born into the Moonies? Yes, I was born into it. Um, and I grew up in Tarrytown, New York, which is where the Moon family also was. So I saw them up close, whereas like many other members who don't are maybe don't see their more sociopathic, like violent side. They are a violent family. I consider them a mafia family um, and they beat up people in my community if they even said so much as their opinion or, you know, just didn't know the moons enough, like some newcomer comes in and tries to correct them or something. <laughs> and it's like a mafia, they bring them to a room and they kick their ass. So wow. it, it's just, yeah, really gross. But at the same time, you know, I think anyone from a dysfunctional family can relate. It's like, well, this is my family and they feed me and they house me. So I just have to live with it and try to dodge it wherever I can, you know? So that, yeah, it was a pretty uncomfortable childhood. Um, and then everyone in the neighborhood also knew about it. So you didn't want to say that you were a Mooney. And in the 80s, when I was a little kid, like, you know, SNL had a sketch, sketch about it. Uh, the movie Airplane made a joke about it. There were all these jokes about it. So um, and but, you know, the whole time I was like, they just don't understand. Like they have to, like, get to know Reverend Moon, you know, which is what anyone who's under the power of a narcissist is going to say. You know, they try to defend their, you know, it's like Stockholm syndrome kind of. So that's what I thought was true when I was a kid. It, does that beg an interesting question then about let's say somebody is taken in by uh, a cult or magical thinking or anything like that that the best way might not be to make fun of them and challenge them so much because you is there like a natural urge to sort of push people away and go well hang on because you want to defend your thing right right yeah there is um i'm, I'm sorry can you um repeat that like what, what are you asking exactly yeah, just just whether I suppose the best way to talk to somebody who is in a cult or who is you know born into one or has gone into one or whatever it might be, might be not to be confrontational. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And um, I've been to like talks by uh, cult interventionists, longtime cult interventionists. They say the same thing. They're just like, you know, any kind of uh, conflict is going to make them dig their heels in more into their beliefs because like that's kind of it's almost like you're a soldier in the military, like you're ready for conflict, like you are just like conditioned to like, you know, wait for that day where you can stand up for your glorious leader. So mm -hmm. you don't want to fall into that. I think, um, 
it's better to, uh, you know, use the Socratic method, you know, try and like show some curiosity. It's really hard. Like if you're not up to it, don't do it, you know, but if there's maybe like a friend or someone else who's a little further than let's say family or something, then, you know, and try to show the person a good time and remind them of like what it's like to have fun in the real world, take them out to a bar or a party and be like, you know, just let them experience for themselves that people are nice and they're not trying to like pull you away from a cult. People just want to have a good time with each other, you know? What kind of other things uh, happen in your childhood that maybe would be, for, for others, would be extremely unusual? Well, uh, usually the first thing I think about is we had something called pledge service, where every Sunday at 5 a.m. we would wake up you know, it was to uh, show like, you know, sunrise, the very beginning of the week, uh, we would get up and we would bow to a portrait, like a picture of Reverend and Mrs. Moon uh, on this like white tablecloth coffee table. And, you know, with our whole family we'd do three bows. And then we'd read a pledge card that kind of had this like militant uh, devotion pledge to uh, Moon and his wife. And uh, again, as a kid, I was like, well, you know, we kind of live in this utopian, you know, th these nice properties. We, we did live on nice properties in New York. And, uh, you know, I was like, if this is how we pay the rent, OK, I'll do this. You know, it, it's all I knew. So, um, yeah. And we just, mm. you know, we bowed and prayed and uh, and we, we also dressed up. We, we fully dressed up in ties and suits for this thing we did in our living room, you know, at huh. 5 a.m., <laughs> I think so many people can, on a different level, relate to that just because we, we all did things when we were younger that we didn't question. Uh, you know, I, I went to like a Hebrew school and had to learn about, you know, jo Jonah and the whale or whatever who lived inside a whale and stuff like that. And it's a weird thing because I guess I sort of, I, I don't think I really thought it was a real thing, but I also didn't question it. And so was it that way for you? Was it like, okay, this is a it's sort of not real and it's real or, or did you or did you feel really like Reverend Moon's amazing I really believe in his powers I think with me living close to him like I know a lot of people who grew up like you know um also in the Moonies who were born into it and they were like oh he's amazing and when he came to their town it was like this concert or something but like no me I I kind of just saw him as like a politician I'm like well he's wow. our president and he's because I lived near him so like I saw how his family really was and I knew that they were very toxic people so I was like all right I'll go to this lecture and uh, yeah you know like I was kind of jaded uh... already but um but at the same time like deep down I was like this guy is our provider and protector he called himself true father and he really in a sense, he really was. He, he was, yeah, again, our provider, protector. Um, our parents were like middle managers, like our biological parents. And he was like the granddad who ruled everything. So, yeah, wow. interesting. Scary, scary. Was what, what kinds of things did he do or did you hear about later? Like, what kinds of things did he do that were particularly sort of psychopathic, let's say? Well, actually... That, that brings me to why I actually left the Unification Church. Um, my, my parents kind of left before I did. Like, we moved from New oh. York to Seattle. Yeah, actually, my whole family, um, actually, on Moon's direction, we moved to our father's hometown, which my father lived, you know, in Seattle. And uh, we had to spread the witnessing effort. That was his deal. And, um, 
you know, being away from the headquarters in New York, uh, we kind of eventually, you know, just kind of uh, woke up, I, I guess, you know, um, sometimes that's all it takes, you know, to leave a cult is just to spend a little time outside of it. And um, yeah, so Moon's son actually likely uh, killed himself. Like he, he jumped off um, a hotel uh, window in, in Reno, Nevada. Um, and let's, he was around my age, maybe we were about like 20 at the time. And the way Moon handled it was he, he blamed all the members. Like there was no moment of silence for this kid. And like, I kind of knew him and he was actually one of the nicer moons. Like he wasn't violent, like his brothers, just something, you know, he didn't inherit that gene. And, uh, so just the way Moon just used it to be like, you guys did this, see what you did. And like, you didn't have enough faith in me. And now, you know. And I'm sure people were guilted to give him more money and stuff. And just, it was so disgusting. And I, right there, I was like, I get why my parents left totally now. Like, this is really disgusting. So yeah, I just left. It's just, that's a strange one, isn't it? Or an unusual one, let's say, because it's, it's typically it's the child leaves uh, and, and they have to sort of go against their parents. I suppose you consider it fortunate that you didn't have to go against your parents in that sense, that they left first. And what was that period like once they'd left and you were still in it where were you living at that point i, I appreciate that question actually um it, it was really hard like i wasn't ready to leave because my whole childhood was like this community this was more my mm -hmm. family it felt like a larger enmeshed family um so for them to kind of take that away I, I was just like what like you you don't even care about me you know um and uh so i guess cognitive dissonance is the term uh just kind of you know i love my parents and you know i want to do right by them but at the same time uh they're pulling me away from this thing and so just like years of i don't know going back and forth and sometimes i'd go back to the church community and i'd see them again and i, I it was friendly but it wasn't complete and i don't know so yeah very confusing but again it was that one incident that really confirmed it and i was like okay i get it now um yeah Wow. Is there any kind of shunning? Was there any, any concern about leaving or fair gaming? I'm thinking of Scientology and Jehovah's Witness with the shunning and the fair gaming. Was there anything like that? You know, I think, I think if like, like I just kind of stayed away from it. Um, I just, you know, I was like, okay, I got to kind of build my identity from here now, like away from all of this. And, you know, I, I felt almost weird visiting again because I was like, no, that's me falling back. I got to like, mm. you know, have my period away. But the funny thing is a, a lot of people in my generation just left. Like we all just woke up, uh, something about wow. that. I don't know. Uh, th they became more controlling and, and developed more programs that stick with you after you, uh, graduate high school after we left, I think because they realized a lot of us were leaving. So oh. like, yeah, um, it, it, it wasn't too lonely, I guess it, it was hard to kind of like see each other again and be like, wait, are you? And like, you can't expressly say it. You have to kind of feel it. And like, but then I found that everyone was kind of like confused and like, yeah, like, you know, we got to go to college. Like the moons wanted us to go to college and be, you know, active members of society to spread their influence. But it's like, whoops, like we just debunked everything that we grew up with. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's really strange, though, isn't it? Because typically a cult thrives on secrecy and wants to keep people just, you know, in it rather than I suppose they saw you as maybe evangelists. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, you know, they tried to, they tried to, it's kind of like Scientology in that way. They wanted to be cool and pop culture and like talk to celebrities and get endorsements. And Moon got endorsed by, you know, Bush Sr., Reagan, Nixon, all in different ways. Um, you know, Shinzo they really Abe. Tried to, oh, Shinzo Abe. Yeah. For generations. Oh. Uh, yeah. Huh. Of prime ministers in Japan, all the way back oh. to Kishi, um, Nobusuke Kishi. He was the first one to connect with Moon. Um, huh. But yeah, so I guess he wanted us to just be in there and, and they trusted that we would stick with the program. But when we didn't, I think that's when things got more controlling. And I imagine it's like that with many cults. I'm like, wow, I'm in the early stages of this cult. And like, I get a glimpse at that, you know, before it becomes, you know, it's way more controlling now. Yeah. And and how significant is, I mean, the, the pop culture image of the mass weddings how significant is that in the unification church um like yeah that i mean that's that's big i think i think moon just really you know they try to like uh make it look like this very innocent thing like this beautiful thing you know Amer in america well in any country i think marriage is seen as this sacred like kind of like finish line you know or like this are you alone like come to our mass yeah. weddings, you know, it's like this great calling card. So I think, you know, some people were attracted to that and uh, they went for it. What, what is the, the, the law, the religion behind, behind that? Um, the law, it, it's that moon. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a Christian religious cult uh, where they believe that, uh, you know, the fall of man happened, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. Um, the story in the church is that, you know, Eve had sex with Satan and then had sex with Adam. And then that, that created, you know, the evil blood lineage of the world of sinners that we live in now. So when Moon was born, he had the power to cleanse that sin out of people. And so, you know, people who join the Unification Church, when they have babies, uh, like we have pure blood, you know, which is very Hitler eugenics like, you know. Mm. So we were seeing Harry, Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we um, so that's how they kept us in. They're like, you know, do you want to lose this like two thousand years of you know, uh, finally being cleansed, you know? And uh, it was it was very intimidating until I learned that other religions kind of said the same thing. Uh, mm. And I'm like, oh, I guess we'll never know who's the number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that reminds me of what uh, ricky gervais says which you know when people say how can you be an atheist and he's he says you know I, i'm the same as you i don't believe in three thousand uh, other religion or 2999 of the religions or the gods it's just you believe in one more than i do uh because it's just so many other competing ones and you know so 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 those those weddings were you ever uh pressure pressured or did you did you imagine you were going to have to marry a stranger uh, at any point yeah yeah i absolutely did i mean it's just i would say grooming grooming is the word you know wow. we were just told that if you fall like the fall of man like if you had sex like outside of marriage or before you got married in the ceremony then you were banished like we had you know friends in our community who fell and they just were dead to us like you know, they had a girlfriend, you know, before they went to the mass wedding or whatever, the blessing. And uh, yeah, they were just kind of banished. Uh, so like that's what was riding on your um, your pressure to not have sex was like you would lose your family and community. Yeah. 
And and I remember Elgin Strait when when he was on my podcast, he was saying that there was a there was some sort of pressure, and I can't remember exactly how it is. So maybe you'll be able to confirm for me uh, around feeling a little bit like you are your parents' ticket into heaven. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, that's why they were so paranoid about you know having us go to this blessing ceremony or matching us with someone else with pure blood, you know. So, it, you know, and then the moon say like, there's a seven year course until they, they keep changing the goalposts, you know, every time uh, they need money, that's kind of uh, how I see it anyway. Um, it's interesting. There's this place called Chungpyeong, which is like a healing center. And there's this theory that there's like little evil spirits attached to you inside of your body. And later I learned it's identical to the Scientology theory of body thetans, yes. which maybe you've heard of this. Yeah. And I'm like, did they do they just trade like things that make them money that like secrets? Like, I don't know. You just find so but, many similarities. Yeah. Well, that is a really interesting point, because I'm always wondering, you know, how many of these cult leaders or people high up in different cults are true believers who believe in their own powers. Uh, and they seem to be many of them. And then at the same time, they seem to be studying other cults that make money. And seeing how to do it like they and you think well if you're either a true believer and you probably make up your own stuff or you're a you know somebody who's manipulating everybody who just wants to make a quick buck but they somehow seem to be both does that does that sound like reverend moon yeah i think so i remember you know uh prominent cult scholar uh yanya lalich she talked about how she's like i think like what is it like 90 or 99 percent of cult leaders are just like laughing at their members. And, wow. you know, when after she said that, I, I kind of came to start thinking that too. I think when you have so much power and you're so invincible, you know, um, this at this healing center, Chungpyeong in Korea, um, people have slapped themselves to like get these evil spirits out for hours. They'll slap themselves ritualistically while singing this song over and over again. And these days I'm like, I wonder if Moon was like, We'll make them slap themselves. Ha ha ha. You know, like <laughs> it's oh yeah, my I, God. like when you have that much power over people, like there's no accountability. There's just zero, you know. And you know, billionaires are very similar, you know. And I think that's why, like, with some billionaire, you know, media stations, they can be so strong about their opinion, you know, like the Washington Times and the Unification Church, because you don't have to have accountability. You're like, well, we don't have to sell really because we've got all uh-huh. this free money coming in. So, yeah. You just do what you want, treat people like, you know, yeah, pawns, I suppose. I yeah. I, I still think, I, I understand what Yanya Lalich says. I, I still feel like there's some dissonance going on and there's like a bit of both. I feel like all of these people, they are sort of laughing and going, look at the power, look what I can do to these people. But there's another part of them somewhere deep down that's going, but I also believe in my powers. I feel that with David Miscavige with Scientology anyway. Uh, I feel that with this exorcist that I that I met one time as for a BBC documentary and I thought, oh, he sort of believes in himself, but he also treats people terribly. And it's a whole, I don't know, it's a whole complicated mess. Hey, so so just going back to that, like, okay, so feeling like you're a ticket into into heaven for your parents. Like, so what, what's the, what was the reasoning behind that again? Is it that the parents have to have kids who get married to other Moonies people so they can go to heaven? Yeah, it, it just... It's the pure blood thing. Yeah. In order to go to heaven, you have to, you know, only mix pure blood with pure blood. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that fares out for the 
first generation, first generation meaning people who joined Unipish Church or who were coerced in. Um, but, you know, I think they're just trying to make their true father proud. So they want to do the right thing. Hmm. What kinds of things, I mean, has much of it, you're, you're, you're out of the cult now, your family is, are there things that have stayed with you that, that continue to haunt you today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, to me, one of the most annoying things is when people are like, come on, can't you get 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 past it? I'm like, you can't get past an entire childhood where you never had normal, where normal was this thing you looked outside the window or saw on TV and you thought it was the same thing. Like, oh, those people and they live in that world and I live in this world where the call and response of like, if you behave this way, then you get this. Like if you submit your power, then you will get resources if they feel like giving them to you or if there's enough, you know, you're disposable. So mm. like, um, yeah, it's I mean, I see a therapist, uh, an ex-cult therapist. There are ex-cult therapists. So if you need oh. help, you know, just Google it. <laughs> um, and it's great. And I, you know, I go to group therapy where I uh, talk to other ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, ex-Mormons and people who are like from more extreme chapters of that or families in that. And yeah, it's really cool to connect with these people and just to see the patterns. And, um, you know, I need that just every now and then I need to touch base with that world to just be like, oh yeah, it's okay to feel this way. You know, that, you know, I need people to relate to or also kind of processing mm -hmm. all this stuff. So it's just something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, the ex-Scientologist Aaron Smith-Levin was saying to me that it almost resonates more with him when he meets others who weren't in Scientology but were in other similar cults and religions and things just to be like, wow, it's happening the same thing or so similar across different... And you sort of bond um, over that. So mm -hmm. and what about things like, I mean, hang-ups around, for example, finding a partner to marry, I guess, because I, mean, I asked just because marriage was such a key concept to to uh, the Unification Church. Does it make you now not want to ever marry or, or, or how does it how does it affect you? Yeah, it is tough. I mean, I'm just it, it is a starting over and or starting the first time <laughs> of having an adolescence like in adulthood. We kind of all are late bloomers. We have to have adolescence later because we couldn't have it in our own homes growing up. So, um, yeah, I was like a teenager in my 20s. I'm still kind of almost like a teenager <laughs> in some ways. Uh, you know, just go out, keep trying, keep meeting people. Um, you know, I, I look for other like weirdos or other people who've had unusual pasts or like difficult parents or, um, you know, uh, where they had to raise themselves in a lot of ways because they just felt their environment wasn't really there for them as much as they had to be there for it. So, um, and I find people like that, you know, I think the larger umbrella of cults and everything is narcissism. You know, you just study narcissism. And if you grew up in a cult and you'll be like, that's a thing, that's a thing in psychology. Whoa. Like, you know, um, that's really to me all it is. And, uh, wow. yeah, I find other people who grew up in those environments and I can talk to them about it. Yeah fascinating well beautifully explained thank you so much where can people go and find all your work and stuff uh you can go to my website uh, teddyhose.com and um if you go to the press section it shows like all my uh interviews and appearances i was on uh netflix's explained their cults episode or annie's cults and extreme belief 
So um, yeah, I try to get the word out because I just feel like America and now kind of almost the world is very polarized right now. And that's what compelled me to speak. I'm like, it wasn't always like this. There weren't this many mass shootings when I was a little kid. Like there wasn't this amount of crazy. And so we need to talk about and deconstruct all this stuff. Wow. Fascinating. And I mean, that's just a fascinating topic in itself. So people show Teddy some love, go follow his pages and look up, look up, look him up on social media and everything. Uh, support our guest. Teddy, thank you so much and have a, a lovely evening. Thank you so much.